Today's show brought to you by our friends at Keeneland and Keeneland Select. The Keeneland Fall Meet is off and running. Get in on the action and wager with Keeneland Select. New accounts receive a special $100 back after you wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this October. Wager a total of $300 in the first 30 days and earn another $100 back with the standard sign-up bonus. Sign up at KeenelandSelect.com. Keeneland Select mobile betting that gives back. Peter Thomas Fornatal back with you from the Brooklyn Bunker once again and getting ready. The, the suitcase is out. The suits have been pressed. Getting ready for the trip over to the, to the U.K., Big uh, sports weekend here. You can probably hear that from my voice. Was out there at City Field last night. We'll be at Tottenham Stadium tomorrow morning, our time, to uh, check out the New York football giants taking on the Green Bay Packers. That's going to be fun. But here today to talk about the Keeneland Sunday card. This will, I don't know when I'll schedule this to drop, probably after the racing here on Saturday. And it's a terrific card at Keeneland. On this show, we're going to focus primarily on the turf late pick three, but we will also be having a quick word about the spinster grade one action on a Sunday, which is enjoyable. And to do it with me, we bring in the man who we turn to when it comes to all things related to this Keeneland turf pick three from in the money He's Michael Domable. Michael, how are things? Things are great, Pete. It's a, it's a fun time of year. You got Keeneland, the Keeneland meet going on all these important preps for the breeders cup. And you got, uh, college football, NFL, like you were talking about, and and some playoff baseball is, is out there as well. I heard you you went to the the Mets game last night. saw saw Scherzer get roughed up a bit, and that's unfortunate. But uh, maybe they'll rebound in the in the back half of the series. As as I've said many times now to people, for a team, the Mets are in great shape for a team that's essentially zero and four in playoff games, given the fall on the face in Atlanta last weekend and that debacle last night but it, it's really for me it's the kind of thing that i like years ago like 15 years ago i'd have had trouble like doing the show this morning i'd be <laughs> so depressed and or so hung over from the way i would have reacted to that to that horrible um game last night but i had Perrin with me and being there with a nine-year-old it was one of those things where it's really a, a, tr- a true cliche you can learn things from your children sure she was bummed by the result but was so into making the most of the experience. Did not want to leave early at all, even though there was a very obnoxious Padre fan Instagramming in front of us. Oh, that's the other thing. 15 years ago, I, I may have spent last night in jail for pummeling that guy. And, you know, that's that's not a mistake that you make when you when you have a little child with you. And so it was great. You know, even though it was a, I mean, a result that can only be described as sucky, it'll still be a night that I, I remember very fondly. And I, I'm super grateful to, to parent for that. And, and I do apologize to the listeners for having to listen to this scratchy throat today, but it, uh, I should have had some more uh, tea before I came on tea with honey would have fixed this right quick. But anyway, by, by next week, we'll have that all, all squared away. And you, you mentioned college football. Who's your team in, in that? Yeah, I went to, uh, I went to college at Virginia tech. Um, and we historically had been a pretty solid program, but, uh, the last few years have been a little bleak and we just hired a new coach. So we're in, uh, we're in definitely in rebuilding mode right now. So a little bit tough to get up for, uh, for some of these games to watch our team, but I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a fair weather fan by any means. So I'll, I'll, I'll power through. That's great. I was asking you a question that I knew the answer to based on your Twitter handle. Exactly. exactly. 
hosting hosting tricks. Sometimes that's that's the right way to go when you're gonna get trying to get to the right transition. And we will transition now to talk about this late pick three. It starts off with stakes action in race number six, and we've got a very heavy and uh, dangerous looking favorite to deal with here in the Indian summer stakes. Um, talking about the Philly taking on the boys, Love Reigns. She may be a Philly taking on the boys, but she is what Andy Beyer and and the crew used to call an omni her, her All of her figures faster than anything her opponents have ever run in this spot, or very close to it anyway. Michael, are you with or against? I am very much on the side of Love Reigns in this spot. I think um, it would be very, very surprising if, Wesley Ward did not win the Indian summer again. Uh, he's won it uh, two of the last three years. And both of those times were, were actually with a Philly last year. It was with uh, Averly Jane who ended up going off favored in the breeders cup juvenile turf sprint. And then in 2019 won it with Kamari who's gone on to do some, some good things as well. So the precedent is there for, for Ward to have a Philly like this uh, beat the boys in an, in an important prep for, for the, for the first Breeders' Cup race on on that upcoming weekend, um, and she just kind of ticks all the boxes like like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, pro- probably ran maybe the best of any of the Ward runners in at Ascot too, and then comes back and just toys with that field um, in Saratoga. And, and Don's Macabre came back to win uh, at Kentucky Downs, so that's another feather in her cap. Um, yeah, I think the only horse that poses a little bit of a threat is is her stable mate Nona Hudson who ran a good second in the Skidmore at Saratoga behind Oxymore who's a pretty talented turf sprinter um Oxymore came back and didn't uh win uh his next start but he's he's that was stretching out to a mile and he's more of a a sprinter so no disgrace losing to that one and I think Ward will have this this one locked up but all, almost all of my play will go through the Philly Love Reigns yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna just stone cold single and move on as far as this goes. Yeah, of the Ward two year olds as a group, we're we're disappointing. He did have obviously Campanell run well, but it, the the two year olds did not run great. Love Reigns ran all right, sticking on okay there. Didn't do everything I was expecting, but the the comebacker at at Saratoga was you know imperious in victory there, and just seems like this race once again may be a benefit. For, uh, for for Mr. Ward. So yeah, taking a single and move on approach. Before we move on though, one other general question I wanted to ask you before we got started. This this late turf pick three, which I know they're committed to doing every Friday through Sunday. I'm not sure if they're going to be doing it midweek. We'll see how that develops, but it's a wager I'm very fond of. I know Jim Goodman is a big fan of it. And I know you're a big fan of it as well. What is it you like about the all turf pick three? One of the things I, I like a lot about it is the $3 minimum, because I think when you have a pick three um, where it's a 50 cent minimum or a dollar minimum, I think you end up spreading too, too much. And this $3 minimum really, it kind of forces the horse player to, to really hone in on the strong opinion. So like this first race, I mean, if this was a 50 cent wager, I would be tempted to say, ah, maybe I can throw in a couple more backups in case Love Reigns doesn't break or something like that. But with the $3 minimum, you really just have to to stick with your opinion and, and go with it. It's kind of, that's probably the beauty of it. And then it, it pays well because of that, because the $3 minimum, if you can get one, one price home, it'll really uh, open up the whole sequence. So that plus the, the lower takeout, as opposed to the, the usual pick threes. Um, and then 
you know, Keeneland's turf course is, is one of the best in the country. So getting to wager on th- three races on, on that strip is, is always cool as well. So it's just a unique wager and, and I applaud Keeneland for putting it together and, and, and promoting it the way they do, because I've, I've really taken a liking to it. We agree completely JK and myself. And, and I think that they, the, there's a double edge to the $3 minimum. That's both, both edges helpful to the player. You, you mentioned it forces you to make some decisions and I think it prevents others from just betting completely efficiently efficiently thus leaving meat on the bone the low takeout also uh, less rebate for big computer groups and I, I don't think it's a pool that they're in generally based on what I've seen which it which is nice from a game selection point of view so the wager ticks a lot of boxes and I think you make a, a key point too about how it allows you um, in almost all instances to focus on real quality racing and we certainly see evidence of that in the Sunday sequence where we start off with two stakes, the next of which goes as race number eight. It is the grade two bourbon for these two-year-old Colts going a mile and a 16th on the Keeneland turf. And we have an oversubscribed field here. Once again, I am going to try to be a little bit clever and press up number 10 really good in this spot. Despite the fact that this horse lost to a couple of the other rivals he'll be facing today. And my logic for this really good pick is that of the others in that Kentucky Downs race, I think that was an instance where the pace came apart and the move that really good made. I think one reading of the race is that really good's move was the reason the pace melted down a little bit there. And we see these horses sometimes come back and be able to run more efficiently and and running around a very different type of turf configuration. I thought there was a case that you might be able to make some magic happen with this runner. I, I certainly respect Reckoning Force and Deer District, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with number 10 really good as the top pick. And then another one I wanted to mention was the 12 and the winner is, who looked very one-paced late at Saratoga. But I'm just and, – and I'm a fan of this horse. I'm a fan of Oscar performance as a sire, so that, so that could be factoring in here a little bit. But is there a chance that that was ground-related? And now you come back and you see second off the layoff with that very solid race over this turf course on debut back in April. Maybe this horse can outrun the odds and I think could get potentially lost in the betting, even with Pratt in the irons from this difficult post. But who better than Pratt to try to negotiate it? So I was going to play the 10 as an A and the and and the winner is as a B. I if I were playing a pick five or something, I would definitely work in those horses that finished ahead of really good the last day. But I think I'm just going to go forward with these two and see if I can't get a result in the grade two bourbon. How do you see it? Yeah, I think I think the way to the start I started breaking down this race was, uh, I mean, you have three prep races, or not necessarily prep races, but three races that a lot of these contenders come out of. You've got the Kentucky Downs race, you've got uh, the with anticipation at Saratoga, and then you also have um, the colonial race, which, uh, the number nine Gigante and the number five rarefied flare come out, come out of. So that was my first approach was trying to kind of rank those prep races, one, two, three, and, and looking at, um, like how I saw those races stacking up against each other. Cause like a lot of Keeneland races, you got horses coming from all over the place and you kind of have to judge the, the different areas that they're coming in from. So I, I threw out the, the, the colonial race. I thought that one was kind of uh, the the lowest rung of the three, even though both of the uh, even though Higante is actually one of the favorites on the morning line, I'm I'm against him. Um, of the uh, with anticipation, I'm with you in in taking and the winner is 
over Bapio. Um, so I would use a him, a him pr- pretty prominently, um, thinking that getting back to this turf course is what what he wants to do. I'm a little bit worried about the 12 post, though, to be honest with you. Um, that's going to be a tough post to get over from, but he might be one that just kind of sits back and makes makes one run. And for Bapio, I think, um, you know, he was, what was he, 23 to 1 last time. He's going to be a fraction of that price today. Um, had a kind of an easy lead. So I think that's the one you would want to play against. And then when it comes to the the Kentucky Downs race, I think all three of the top three finishers, Reckoning Force, Deer District, and Really Good, will factor today. Um, but I really couldn't separate them that much uh, just because they kind of were, were pretty close on the line and, and you made a pretty solid case on, on re- why Really Good could turn the tables. Ultimately, I ended up finding an alternative to, to all of those horses. And I'm actually going to the number one B minor at the rail. One of the one of the uh, major feathers in his cap is going to be the fact that he's drawn the rail and will be able to tuck in, get a cozy trip. Um, won his debut on the dirt at Churchill, but this this pedigree is all turf. Mendelssohn on top. The dam was a, was a winner on turf as well. And then McPeak and, and Brian Hernandez Jr., one that teamed up to win this race last year with Tis the Bomb. So these connections are dangerous um, in two-year-old turf races. Um, and at 20 to 1 on the morning line, when I think all the other prep races, the, the form's kind of fuzzy, why not take a shot um, with him on top? I don't hate it at all. What about backups? Would you use all four of those that you mentioned, or how, how are you going to get other numbers on the ticket here? Yeah, I would use the 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 312, 410 um as well, probably the three twelve is A's, and then the four and ten is as as B backups. Okay, that makes perfect sense. But definitely an interesting, creative top pick in there, and it's that it's that kind of race. And we've talked before on the shows about how two year olds going along on the turf, the peak numbers in those categories are are excellent. So it uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm hoping that as far as the post within the winner is goes, that it's the kind of thing where you get compensated enough in price. Like whatever price this horse was going to be, you're going to get several points above, I'm hoping, because of the difficult post. And maybe Pratt can mitigate that. Of course, Pratt being aboard, it could go the exact opposite direction. It's difficult to know, and we won't have a way of knowing what the odds are going to be here when we play this all-turf pick three. So I'm just going to, I'm going to just include and hope for the best. As far as that goes, let's do a quick word on the spinster, a race that uh, really shapes up on paper for me as a bit of a match between Malathod and Latruska, though. It's interesting to see played hard as short as three to one on the morning line. What's your general approach? And you don't even have to give a pick if you don't want to, because I didn't, you know, I didn't prep you for this, but just want your general thoughts on the spinster. Yeah, I think it's cool to see uh, Latruska and Malathod matching up again uh, ahead of the Breeders' Cup. I think it's nice to have another form line on both of them, especially have it be over the, the track and distance that the Breeders' Cup distaff will be will be run over. I think the, probably the, the, the key factor to, to think about uh, for this race in particular is what the pace dynamics are going to be. I think it really boils down to whether the number four played hard, goes after Latruska, similar to how like cert, the role search results has played in the last two, two outings, whether whether played hard does that or sits off of Latruska and, and lets Latruska have a, have an easy lead. And I think that decision um, by Joel will be kind of how, how the race ends up playing out. If, if Latruska is allowed to walk on the front end, I think she'll probably 
wire the field and, and head into the Breeders' Cup with some with some uh, a little bit better form. But if if she gets dueled at all, she'll she might fold and, and Malathot will run them down. Sounds about right. I mean, Malathot had no setup the last day and still got the job done. If the morning lines that uh, Nick Tamaro made are correct, and I suspect they're they're going to be pretty close here at three to five, five to two, I might. I think you're probably supposed to bet Latruska on the idea that, you know, Malathot is, is probably a little bit more focused on the prep aspect. And y- y- can't you just see Joel grabbing with, with mm-hmm. played hard and letting Latruska waltz, but, but it's hard because Latruska waltz last time and Malathot still run her down. I mean, Malathot is just better. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's a race at the end of the day where I want to throw up my hands. I think, I think I will be, a reverse wise guy, if you forced me to pick, I'd probably pick Malathot. But like, as I said, I don't think that's what you're supposed, quote unquote, supposed to do in this spot. Fortunately, not part of the turf pick three. I I, I may just sit back and, and watch this one, uh, Michael. And it sounds like you might be leaning to that approach as well. Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing out of this race is is watching it, seeing who who the dynamics favor in this particular spot, and then you using that information when it comes to the Breeders' Cup distaff um, and kind of because and taking this, uh, taking this one as a, as a wait and see approach, especially because you can kind of play the turf pick three bouncing around it. Um, and then, and then use that information for the Breeders' Cup distaff when, it, when you have a, a few more horses uh, entered. That's exactly right. The, this weekend with all this win and you're in action, so important to get, get your trip notes, right. Do a lot more work. You know, assuming people like me have such a big part of their yearly handle, go through Breeders' Cup Day, take the time and do the work, not just ahead of these races, but after them. I think that's a key, key point that Michael just made. I do, obviously, we're going to get to our nightcap in the middle, but I do want to go on one more tangent before we do and talk to you about horse player happy art. And now I'm asking you a question that I don't remember the answer to. Did you did you make it through round one of the playoffs or are you going to be participating in round two? I am. I'd had two two entries into the playoffs. One of them got kicked to the curb, but one of them has advanced. So we are in the final 40 now um, on the road to trying to get my, my second Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat for the year. Um, so hopefully can keep uh, keep surviving and advancing up until the final table. That would be cool. Did the... Did the horse player happy hour have anything to do with the other seat that you won? Was that in a game related to our games or was that from an independent source? It was actually through uh Mammoth's pick your prize contest. Right. Um, well, what a great actually. one that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, last year I did qualify um, to the BCBC through the horse player happy hour, $20 feeder into the 179. Um, and then was lucky enough to win one of those. But then this year I got one through the Mammoth pick your prize and I'm, I'm eyeing another one through those happy hour playoffs. Well, that's great. And I'll say this, I'm not sure yet, you know, just to be frank, we'll show you how some of the sausage was made. Or we did a direct qualifier last Thursday and something went wrong. We only had 49 entries, which it means we were underwater and, and, and losing losing money. And, and that's, you know, we can't, that, that's not going to work long term. So I don't know if they're going to let us run another one this week, but I think there was just some sort of communication breakdown and people didn't know about it because these qualifiers on Thursday performed really well last year. So I'm hoping we get one more crack at it. And if we do, folks, you got to get involved. because And I think there's going to be a $20 feeder probably on Wednesday to get into the Thursday qualifier as somebody rings the doorbell. Hopefully I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> and then and I'm not going to edit cause it's a Sunday show. <laughs> um, 
and and then the other thing is that there's uh there's also will be an early bird in all likelihood so you could still punch your ticket if we get that uh if we get that qualifier sorted out anyway keep your eyes peeled horseplayers.com the place to go if nothing else we'll run another feeder into saturday on thursday so you can play along and follow michael and the crew as they try to win that bcbc seat added to the pot for players for everybody who participated in horse player happy hour this year. It was a very successful year, but I still, in my brain, Michael, these games should be, it should be 200 players a week. This is such a great thing. I mean, you know, I hopefully won't tear my rotator cuff patting myself on the back, but such a great thing that we've been able to do for players and, and horse aftercare in conjunction with our partners at the Breeders' Cup to be able to add all this money to the tour prize pool and, and make it so easy for players to compete and raise money for charity at the same time. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, Pete. I've I, uh, on my on my Twitter at uh, Dom Hokey. Plug that real quick. Uh, my pinned tweet is seven reasons you should be playing the horse player happy hour every week. And I, I mean, I put my money where my mouth is on this. I've played all th- three the maximum entries every week the whole year in in an effort to try to win the horse player happy hour tour. Fell a little short this year, just like just like last year. But you know that allowed me to advance to the playoffs, and and now I'm. Got a. I'm now into a one in forty shot for a for a ten thousand uh, dollar Breeders Cup betting challenge entry, and and like you said, all that the all of the the vig has gone to a, to a good cause as well, which can't be understated. Let's move on to this nightcap on Keeneland Sunday card. We go a mile and a half on the turf for this allowance race. Really interesting contest. Big full field once again. How are we going to get paid? Well, this one did not. It was not like the first leg where there's an easy, easy center of the race. It's really even hard to find where to start uh, looking in this one. I I think Mud Pie, who is the morning line favorite, is the horse to beat. Um, It's interesting that the turf pick three ended with a marathon race for for Phillies on Friday. And it's it's similar in in the same regard for Sunday, where it ends in a marathon turf race for, for the Colts. And the one-two finishers of that race on on Friday at Keeneland both exited a marathon turf race at Saratoga. So um, Mud Pie has a race in between when sh- since he ran in uh, at Saratoga at a mile and a half. But I think there's a lot of runners on that August 21st race that are going to be pretty pretty tough um, in this spot. The thing I like about Mud Pie is that although you could argue that he's done his best running at Kentucky Downs. He's also done a lot of good work over the Keeneland turf course as well. And I think the mile and a half trip is, is perfect for him. Um, and I think he's a very, very uh, strong favorite, but I, I ended up putting on top the number 12 one night standards. And this is kind of more of a in maker we trust angle. Um, he's stretching them out back out to a mile and a half, which he did first off the claim. But that first off the claim race, nothing really went right for him. Uh, A dawdling place where the one-two finishers ran around the track together. So I'm willing to put a line through that one. It seems like Maker wants to get to go long with this horse because his return race uh, off the layoff was in a mile and a half over the synthetic. Um, But then came back and, and ran really well at Kentucky Downs last time out and kind of ran through my opinion where I didn't really think he was going to to, to pull it off, but did so at, at, a, at a nice seven to one price. Now stretches out to that mile and a half, which you th- which I, I feel like Maker has been trying to get him to 
all along. Um, and it will be a pretty big price, uh, even with even with uh, Pratt and, and Maker, uh, some pretty solid connections. So for me, it's going to be the 8 and 12, trying to close it out with the with the um, 7, 10, and 11 as backups, but primarily trying to get this, this Maker Colt uh, stretching out to, to bring home the money. I'm, you're making a compelling case, and I'm definitely going to throw in on your on your say so based on based on all the excellent points you make about uh, this one night standard. It's another horse where you might get a little juice in the odds just from the twelve post, and you know, I mean, in a three turn race with Pratt up, how much does that bother you in this spot? I mean, I think it's definitely a negative, but you know, I think if you if you have if there's any jockey you would want uh, for the for this for this task, it would be Pratt. And, and like you said, it might dissuade some people from, from betting him down off of this 15 to one morning line. One of your backups, I made my top pick number 10 reigning spirit. And my angle here was the trip the last day, which I just thought was not easy at all. Got pretty close to mud pie. I think given everything considering the the, the journey the, the the wide and difficult journey i thought reigning spirit had through and i just got the vibe on reigning spirit that this might be a runner a little bit better suited by a traditional oval and i think the comeback race at saratoga might be a little bit better than it's looked just because that that race got hot in the middle and this horse was up close to to the fast pace in there i'm just hoping that reigning spirit can get a more even journey throughout this could be a a perfect horse for Rosario to do Rosario things with and, and produce a big late burst. Not going to be any huge price, just four to one from the not easy 10 post, but I had enough angles that I put reigning spirit on top. And then I went with number two um, militarist as well. And I wanted your opinion on this horse. Cause I know you follow the colonial downs meet closely. My angle with him was that that race was probably just a little bit better than it looked. It was one in wire to wire fashion. This horse made a good late run and now an excellent draw here. And then the other angle was, so that wire winner came back and, and declined. No surprise there. Horse was definitely flattered. Um, King Vega by the, by the setup, but the five horses in behind militarist who came back to run all improved their figures some significantly. So I just was suspecting that this horse was maybe a little bit, better than it looked. I was hoping you'd be in your numbers just because I know you follow that me closely. So if it was really some sneaky good race, I was thinking you might know that um, and point that out, but we'll, I'll, I'll ask you about him. Actually, I'll just ask you about him now. Did, did you consider him at all? Yeah, I considered him. I do think that the mile and a half is a bit of a question mark for militarist. Um, sure. I, I, I mean, I think this would be the time to bet him before that form is exposed. If you, if you like that last race, I just wanted to lean more with the horses that I thought would appreciate that 12 furlongs a little bit more, but he's well posted. And, and you're right. The horses he beat in that, um, the colonial race, uh, like eons, Baker's Bay beacon Hill. Those are some, those are some hard knocking types. So, uh, I wouldn't talk you off of them. Okay, that's good. I'll I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just hard to know in in the pedigree. There's a lot of a lot of siblings here and a lot of turf route form, which I like on the damn side, but I mean, you know, none of those none of those siblings who did have the turf route success were by uh, were by Liam's map. None of the siblings were by Liam's map. So it's uh it's it's just an open question. Anyway, just a horse that I thought was a little bit interesting. And then in terms so those are my A's 10 and 2. And then on the backup line Point by me, I thought 
was a horse that could just get an absolutely perfect trip in this spot. And I wanted to keep on side based on that. This is one that I, I have also has questions to answer about the distance, but I thought on, on the pedigree, I was feeling pretty good about point, point me by, I think I said point by me, point me by. Um, but this is one that came to me via the time form pace projector. Honestly, it's not that often you see a horse in such a good attacking forward spot who has the reverse split with the, with the strong ish late pace and with Saez up. I just, they're, when they leap out at me from looking at time form quickly, I always want them as at least as backups and point me by was the one that did that. And then the very obvious mud pie also had it as a backup. So 10 and two, and then on the back line, uh, four and eight for me for Michael, 12 and eight with seven, 10, 11 on the backup line. And I'll point out that I'm fully convinced enough by that your case on the 12 that I'll be including as a backup. Michael, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, just excited uh, for the rest of the kingdom. Uh, Keeneland weekend. You got a ton of awesome stakes races today, Saturday. We're recording this Saturday morning. Um, and I think it's just so fun that so many of the, of these races are such key preps for for the Breeders' Cup that's going to be over the same courses um, not too, in only four weeks. So, um, the, And it's almost every every division's got one over this weekend pretty much uh, at Keeneland. So it's it's super cool to have that, that form over the course um, ahead, in the last round of preps. It is cool. And I have blocked out time next week. I'm going to be in England, but I'm not going to do my usual chock-a-block and socializing. There's going to be days where I just stay in the flat and go back and look at these races. And we'll be recap- doing a ton of recapping. And Michael, we will be bringing you back on very soon. Really enjoyed our chat today and uh, appreciate your time and effort. So thanks to Michael. Thanks to our sponsors at Keeneland and KeenelandSelect.com. They've got that sign-up bonus over there. Go to KeenelandSelect.com and check it out. Or encourage other people to. Who you, if you're in, an, a, in a state where the Keeneland Select ADW is and you know somebody who plays the horses that doesn't have an account, have them do it and pick up that free money. I mean, why the heck not, right? And uh, do it ahead. I think the bonus might pertain to October. I don't think you want to wait till to try to take advantage of that for Breeders' Cup. I think you got to take advantage of it at this Keeneland meet, but very, very easy to bet a few hundred bucks over the course of the next few weeks with all the quality stuff at Keeneland. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business managers, Drew Coatney, our chief creative officers, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos 